Accredited Master Performance Coach, International Speaker, Podcast Host and Author. Known as the Can Do Coach, I thrive on enabling leaders to step up, shake it off and shine. Welcome to my podcast, The Can Do Way. My guests from across the globe have can-do stories of growth, resilience and success to share. Tune in and be inspired by these individuals who have developed a strong can-do approach. Each one of their stories is unique. Each one of their stories has a key message. In this episode of The Can-Do Way, I'm talking to Dorothy Watt, homeopath, teacher, researcher, lecturer and wellness advocate. Dorothy grew up intending to be a research scientist. However, she began questioning the Western empirical scientific method during her Cambridge University science degree when the need to design experiments in which only one thing changed at a time made individuals invisible. Education, with its focus on human interaction, seemed a more attractive choice and a successful career in education as a teacher, published researcher and lecturer followed, culminating with a post at the prestigious London University Institute of Education. Dorothy's personal health journey took her to homeopathy and she developed her knowledge and love of homeopathic remedies while bringing up her family. Inspired to train as a homeopath, she has found a career which combines her love of puzzles and patterns with the focus on individuals. She has a thriving practice and is passionate about empowering people to take control of their own everyday health issues using self-help homeopathy. So welcome to the show today, Dorothy. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Wonderful. So if we can first go for a short walk through your life, so you can give the listeners just a taste of your background and what drives your passion for the homeopathy work that you do today? I discovered homeopathy completely by accident. At one point in my life, I was in my late 20s, I think, I'd moved into a house and as soon as I walked in through the door of the house, my whole personality changed. It was quite remarkable. I became ratty, irritable, and I started getting sinus infections that just went on and on and on. Mm -hmm. All I knew at the time was conventional medicine. It's where I came from. I was a scientist. And um, so I kept going to the doctor and I kept getting antibiotics and they kept getting better. And then as soon as I stopped the antibiotics, the infections came back again. And I was in so much pain. I was getting so debilitated and really weak that I was signed off work for weeks at a time. And then one time I was so desperate, I crawled to the GP in the days when you could get an emergency mm -hmm. appointment and said, I need to see somebody. And I saw a GP who I hadn't seen before, sat down and said to him, recurrent sinus infections, think I'm allergic to the tree growing outside my bedroom window. And he said, oh, what's the tree? I thought, well, this, is, this isn't going the way I was expecting. <laughs> I said, oh, it's a Thuyer occidentalis because I'd looked it up, so I happened to know. And his eyes lit up and he said, you may or may not know that I'm a homeopath as well as a doctor and we've got a remedy made from that tree. And he reached up to his shelf, brought down this really thick book opened it to Thuya 
And he read to me my exact symptoms. I said, yeah, that's it. So we said, well, there's two choices. I can give you more antibiotics or I can give you the remedy made from this tree. I can't guarantee anything. Mm -hmm. Well, the antibiotics haven't made me better. This was the first risk that I knowingly took. I'm going to try those remedies. So I did. I've still got my NHS prescription somewhere for three pills of thuyoxidine. <laughs> the first one you um, took. Yes. And, um, and I took those three pills the very next day. And within a week, my symptoms had gone and they didn't come back. So I was a convert. And from then, I will only go and see a conventional doctor if I want a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I, um, I don't choose to use their medicines. I choose then to, to go and find a way of treating it in a different way. Wow. What a great story. And, you know, it kind of links to the question I want to ask you now. As I was introducing you and you had said that you started out intending to be this research scientist and then you started questioning that conventional medicine and conventional science back then. And now that you've shared this story of this meeting with this doctor and going into the world of homeopathy, what do you think it was back when you were starting to question those methods? What, what do you think it was inside you that, that encouraged you to do that? It was the absence of people. People just weren't there. Mm -hmm. And I always had this niggling thought that I wanted to do psychology, but psychology was a really new thing when I was at school. Mm -hmm. And I turned away from that gut feeling. I wasn't brave enough to go to university and study psychology. Mm -hmm. So my justification for going to Cambridge was that it let me study psychology alongside biochemistry and alongside all those other things. And so I was able then to make the choice and go in that direction because people have always seemed to me to be absolutely fascinating Mm -hmm. and should be at the centre of everything. Mm -hmm. And what's the point in having a little experiment that looks at... um, you know, what happens at a society level, you're making these huge generalisations when everyone's making their own decision based on their own life, based on their own circumstances, based on how they're feeling that particular day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot more change as you as you commented there. You know, there's, there's, there's that fluctuation and we are all different and we all come at each day very differently as well. So how do you feel then that the homeopathy kind of bridges that gap for you with that people and the human interaction element? How do you you see that that comes together and how does that come out in the work that you do to to help others? Well, homeopathy has as one of its underlying principles, the mind-body connection is really, really important. So if somebody is ill, if they have physical symptoms, what we look at is what was going on in their life before they got those symptoms? What was actually happening to them? So even if somebody gets ill with something like a cold, I would say, well, what were you doing the day before you or the few days before you got your cold? And if they say, oh, I was on a train coming home and somebody across the aisle was coughing and sneezing. So I caught it from them. I thought, well, how did it make you feel, that person coughing and sneezing over there? 
I said, oh, I was really irritable. It made me really cross. I thought, I'm going to catch this. So instead of looking at just the physical symptoms that they have, what I would then do is look in my big book of remedies and I would look under irritability and I would look under fear of illness. And then I would see which remedies were indicated for those mental, emotional conditions. And I would try to find one that then matched up with the physical symptoms that they were displaying. Mm -hmm. So for me, the emotion, the human condition comes before the physical symptoms. Mm, I can see the picture you're painting there for the listeners. And that resonates with your love of puzzles and patterns because you are seeing those patterns and then you're working out how to fit together what the emotion is for that particular person to enable a solution to be created for them. Is that right? Yes, that is. And it's very different from a counselling perspective. Mm -hmm. You can look at the current and what's happening in their life, but also you can look at trapped emotions from the past. But unlike counselling, where you end up going round and round and round those emotions and trying to talk and think your way out of them, it's a very head-based approach. Mm. With homeopathy, when you're looking particularly at past things, it's still linked to the symptoms that you have. So people that have had, you know, stiff bodies for a very long time, that stiffness is very much linked to stored emotion and mm. stored trauma. So by giving the remedy that suits the physical thing, it's like the physical thing is your body saying, hello, listen to me, I mm -hmm. need some help here. Mm -hmm. I'm showing you what you need to let go of so that you can get better. And they don't even need to be aware of what the emotional trauma is. I need to have, you know, done my puzzle piece putting together bit and know what their physical symptoms are. Mm -hmm. And then they can find that they're feeling lighter yes. in themselves because their emotions are being released as well as the physical symptoms getting better. Fantastic. Just just hearing you talk through it as well, and I'm sure the listeners will take this away, There's you're saying that it's not just the root cause, but there's all of those contributing factors. Um, and then once you, you look at what is related to it, then you can get things right. And as you say, it's that feel-good factor, that sense of I feel better in myself, but I also feel better in my body as well. So um, it comes through very, very loud and clear what you're saying. So while you've been talking and, and moving around from you moving from one area of education, one area of study into another and your education has taken you now into this homeopathic world, the word curiosity jumps out at me, and I know this is a very strong trait amongst many of my guests with, on the can-do way, that curiosity has led them to um, become the people and continue becoming the people that they are today and doing the work that they're doing. So how would you say curiosity plays a part um, in the journey that you've had up until now, and how does it continue to play a part in your ongoing journey? Oh, a lovely question. <laughs> so if we start from my um, my Damascus experience with the, the first time I came across homeopathy, mm. after that, 
I mean, I had no evidence that this was going to be the way that things were going to work for me. But I thought, well, if this one remedy has managed to do this, what else can it do? So any ache, any pain, I went and found a homeopath. I ended up working with one who said, there are these homeopathic first aid kits. I like all of my clients to have these kits so that they can, they've got the remedies so that if they ring me up and want some help, I know what remedies I can suggest they take straight away. But me being me, I thought, oh, well, this is a first aid kit. That means that I could learn to use it. So what if I bought myself a book that was all about homeopathic first aid? And what if I've got two young children here? What if when they've got some teeth coming through or something, Mm -hmm. I look at what their symptoms are? What if I see what it suggests in the book, look in my kit and see what happens? So my my children were very much guinea pigs in my journey, I have to say. (laughs) And and the first sniffle, the first anything that they had, oh, let me just look at that. Let's (laughs) let's see how that fits in with my book. Let's see if I can find that. Let's see if I can link that to a remedy. And then let's see what happens. So that's very, very much been part of it. And when I'm working with clients now, I'm always very curious about what happens as a result of the remedy I give them, because I know what I expect to happen, but what actually does happen. So when they come back and see me again, is it what I expected to happen or is it something different? Mm -hmm. And have they had an impact that has been far deeper than I was anticipating? Or has has something else come to the surface? Do they come in saying, well, yeah, that feels better. I haven't got that tummy ache anymore. But do you know what? I've had this real pain in my right ear. Mm -hmm. And okay, so that's come up. So what's all that about? Mm -hmm. Have you ever had that in the past? And and they quite often say, well, yeah. When I was a child, I used to get that all the time. Mm -hmm. Tell me what was happening in your life when that was happening. So, yes, curiosity is a really, really key part of me. But my practice really draws on that strength of mine. I love it. <laughs> no, that, and that just helps you to be in flow with, A, yourself and your own abilities, but also going with the flow of where your clients are taking you. And I guess, as you said, it opens so many other doors, and that's what curiosity is all about. You're not afraid to to actually go, well, where can this go and how is that related to this and what happened then? And it's asking all these wonderful questions, which is very similar to the coaching work that I do, is always being curious and asking that next question so that it can deepen that connection that you have with somebody. Mm. And you're allowing your questioning and and what, what, what was going on then or what was going on in the past to actually open that door to say, well, okay, where is this curiosity going to take us? So it's a, a fantastic illustration um, and thank you for answering it the way you did. So when you were talking about the fact that you went into that doctor and he happened to be a homeopath as well and you mentioned that that was one of those first risks that you took, I'd like you to think about your business over the years and, and just share with the listeners how long you've been in business and and what other maybe risks or challenges have you faced that you've had to win through with a, a curious mindset, but also this real can-do drive in you to to actually get through and, and win through the challenges you have faced. Well, I've been a homeopath for 12 years now. So I started my training 
well, I didn't actually want to train as a homeopath. I really, really didn't. I was quite enjoying doing this little self-help bit. And then I took my daughters along to the homeopath, our homeopath and she said, you're quite good at this. Have you got a training? <laughs> and my husband could see that I was getting a little bit bored being at home with the girls. So um, he said, why don't, you, why don't you train as a homeopath? You're always using it. So and I guess that was another risk was beginning the training because it, it wasn't something that I wanted to do. I couldn't see myself being that at all. So I did a four-year training part-time at the College of Practical Homeopathy. And all the way through that training, I still didn't want to be a homeopath. <laughs> um, I was enjoying the intellectual part of it. But, um, yeah, I still couldn't see myself going there. Um, and then I reached the end of my training and thought, okay, all right, we'll give this a go. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just love it so much. I have been doing it 12 years now, as I said. And I've been fortunate in that I've been able to not have to do another job alongside the homeopathy. So I've been able to devote my curiosity more to the homeopathy. Mm -hmm. And one of the main things that I've really had to learn that's helped me get stronger is where my responsibility stops and where my client's responsibility mm -hmm. kicks in mm -hmm. because it's very easy for me to say, I know how to make you better. These remedies will make you better. The remedies actually aren't doing the work. Their bodies are doing the work. The remedy is facilitating that release within their body. I have to get myself right out of the way. And that has been quite a difficult journey for me. And it's a quite a difficult journey for my clients as well, because just about everybody has come from using Western conventional medicine, mm -hmm. because that's what Western society does. I have got a couple of clients who grew up using homeopathy and have used very little else, and they, in a way, are much easier to work with. But the people who are used to conventional medicine are the ones who come in and say, well, I've got this ache and pain now, you didn't make that go. You got rid of that. Now this has come up. And I'm thinking, whoa, at first it was, oh, my goodness, I've got to work harder. I didn't didn't sort that out for them. But as my resilience has got stronger, I have been able to stand back and see the greater perspective of this, that this is not my job. I am here to facilitate their journey. And I have these amazing tools that really do facilitate their journey if they choose to use them in that particular way. Mm -hmm. But it is possible for them to put their foot down, metaphorically speaking. Sure. And I have had a couple of clients who've come back and said, I'm worse. This is really, I'm really feeling worse. And... Um, yeah, as I've got stronger, I've been able to say to them, there's nothing wrong with the remedies I've given you. Your body or you, really deep down in your subconscious, you've decided you don't want to make this change. It's a brilliant example of helping your clients to take responsibility. You're creating some boundaries, but you're helping them to be more aware of how that whole deeper connection can happen between as you say, A, the facilitation of, the, of the, the type of treatment, but B, the most important part is 
how did they respond to it? How did they allow it to happen? Um, and I guess another message I'm taking from what you've shared is about managing your own and other people's expectations as well. Yes. And by doing those things, you can enable that constant building of resilience in yourself, but you're also empowering your clients to be resilient as well because it's for the ones who've come to you and said, um, this is brilliant or maybe, oh, this isn't really working for me, you've helped them go back to, well, what, what are you not allowing or what are you allowing to happen? And then they're getting it. Uh, eventually, whereas the other ones, um, they're still struggling with with holding on to something that's pushing their resilience further away. Would you agree with yes. that? Yes, I would. And I've realised recently that I'm not helping my clients by just offering single sessions. Right. And yes, you can book one. Would you like to book another? Mm-hmm. And then putting in, wait, and I've started offering people um packages which are really setting out up front Mm -hmm. this is a journey you're on Mm -hmm. you're not going to get there after one session so it's in your interests to book for six to book for 12 because actually that's the length of time it's going to take for you to see the changes that you want to see in your life yes indeed indeed but you're helping your clients become more curious and you're also helping your clients to to really take control of their own future because, as you say, you can give them the one-off or you can even give them the package of sessions to work with you because it is a process, but they still need to be in charge of how they manage that as well. Yes, so it's it's really, really important. But it's brilliant to hear that you've moved into that realm of saying, no, it is a journey and and you're also saying, I want to partner with you on this, but you need to you need to keep coming, you need to keep supporting yourself because it's about growth. So we've talked a lot around the whole wellness advocacy that you are involved in and you're helping other clients and you're helping yourself because you're you're a lifelong learner and you're extremely curious and I love that about the conversation that we're having. So what do you do then? Dorothy, to actually prioritise your own well-being to so that you can keep achieving this peak personal performance in your life and also in the work that you're delivering? Well, I have a morning routine, which is so important for me. So in the morning, I get up, I get dressed, I get rehydrated. So I have three pints of warm water with lemon. And then I get outside. So when I say I get up and get dressed, I don't choose my outfit for the day. I get <laughs> up into my, these are my going outside into nature clothes. Indeed. <laughs> the same outfit every day. And I have my roots of walks that I go on, which mean that I can see the trees, I can be in nature, I can be near water, and I can be part of the changing patterns of nature. It's so important for me and it's so freeing. And it may seem really contradictory when I say I always take my phone with me, but I take my phone with me so that I can use different functions on it so that I can take photos Mm -hmm. because I am so inspired, so in awe of the beauty that is around me and the way the flowers are just coming out or there's a butterfly that's settled somewhere or the light is shining 
on the the water or off the the um, dewdrops on a leaf. And I feel so blessed to be able to do that. And the other thing I use my phone for is I use the voice record function because I often find that when I'm freeing myself out in nature like this, that's the time when I can download my list of what it is I need to do that day. But also I quite often find I've written a blog or I've written scripts <laughs> to a, or spoken it to a YouTube video um, because the space that I have outside, being in touch with nature, being in touch with the universe, it means that I can get the clarity around my own thoughts. And that's really what helps me keep myself um, out of these anxious thoughts and the the day-to-day mundane stuff that can just take over so easily. Oh, kindred spirit with you on that one. But the question I want to ask you is what happens if an obstacle happens and you cannot make that morning routine? How does that set you up for the rest of your day? Well, it doesn't set me up for the rest of my day. (laughs) (laughs) And I've moved house recently and I have experienced that quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to find other ways to ground myself. I have to find other ways to really root myself. And I do have a meditation teacher and a regular practice that I'm involved in. And my Sunday morning meditation is so important to me. And we get the recording that we can then use every day. And over this summer, I, it's almost as if those meditations have been just for me mm-hmm. because they have been very deeply grounding. And I've used those to, I've made the time for that um, because that brings me back down to earth and, and helps keeps my mind still. Fantastic. And the perfect example yet again of that can-do attitude of saying, you know, I may have a different environment that I'm in, but I can find a way to do other things that still continue to bring me joy and also help me set my intentions. So thank you for sharing that. So we come to the time in the interview, Dorothy, and I'd love you to share your three can-do tips with the audience. These can be affirmations maybe you use or just life mantras that really inspire you um, to continue your journey with a can-do mindset. Well, one that I would like to share with your audience is you can look after your everyday health without pharmaceutical medication. You really can. Homeopathy is just one tool. It's one form of energetic medicine, but I'm a homeopath, so I'm going to focus on that. Um, There are a small number of key homeopathic remedies which are absolutely essential. If you get a kit with even just 18 remedies in, you can do so much to support your own well-being. You just need this little box. You don't need to go out of the house. Coughs, colds, tummy bugs, hay fever, aches and pains, bruises, earaches, headaches. I could go on, but that's enough <laughs> of, a, of a taster. Um, I am absolutely passionate about that and really passionate about supporting people to take that responsibility for themselves. 
we've got so good at handing that responsibility over to other people. We don't need to. We can very easily take it back. Uh, so that's my first tip. Another one is to think outside the box, because there is always more than one way of looking at things. And Western society in particular is very good at tunnel vision and encouraging everybody to only look at things through one lens. And as a scientist, I can see how that happens because I've been a researcher and I know that when you're a researcher, you have to have funding from people. It's expensive to do research. And if you want to go on being a researcher, you want to go on getting funding, you actually have to find in the research what your funder wants you to find. So a can-do tip for that really is you have to be prepared to follow your gut instinct. Be prepared to go against this flow so that you can get a bigger perspective and see what else might be going on. There are always different ways of looking at things. Mm -hmm. And one that's very personal to me is that my body is my temple. Your body is your temple. When I get anxious, when I step off this path that I've just described myself following, um, because we all do, mm -hmm. if I get ungrounded, it's so easy to reach for the sugar, to reach for that, you know, that real comfort food, to reach for that cup of coffee, whatever it is, to give yourself some stimulation from outside. Your body is your temple. To honour your body, to actually achieve what it is that you can achieve, there have to be other ways of getting round these feelings of anxiety, these feelings of lack of groundedness. Mm -hmm. And I've discovered for myself that I have to walk away from those things. If I'm feeling stressed, oh, I really need a coffee. Actually, no, you really don't need that coffee. That is really what you don't need. You don't need that almond croissant. You really don't. What you do need is stillness and calm and quiet and maybe even a foot bath with some Epsom salts. In. That sounds lovely. <laughs> we have to detox our bodies from, from this life that we live so that we can get ourselves back to our forward momentum. Wonderful. Three fantastic tips to leave the listeners with. And my final question for you is, why do you believe a can-do mindset is essential because if I hadn't had a can-do mindset I'm not sure I'd even be alive now I would just have got sicker and sicker and sicker if we take everything at face value and if we don't employ that curiosity if we don't look outside the box that's in front of us we are limiting ourselves in so many ways and limiting ourselves in ways that actually we don't know at the time that we're limiting ourselves in. Because if you don't have that curiosity to look beyond and around and behind and underneath, who knows what there is? And there is just so much. And it's uh, very much our role to remove the limits 
on ourselves as much as we can to facilitate greater space within us mentally and physically and spiritually so that our potential can be within reach. I mean, you can't ever get there. That's why it's potential. Yes. <laughs> but we can move ourselves toward closer to that goal, we, can't we, rather than yeah. moving away from it. And I think that's so yeah. very important in the message that you just shared. So I'd like to just say thank you so much, Dorothy. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and your tips have been amazing, very calming, but very inspiring at the same time for my audience to think, you know, it's okay to be curious and curiosity can take you down so many different wonderful paths. But I think the key message is there is always another way. There's always an option um, if you're willing to explore it. And so become a little bit more adventurous. Um, and as you say, if you're told one thing, you have the right to question it and to explore perhaps another option. So thank you so much for being my guest today on The Can Do Way. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my podcast, The Can Do Way. Do you live and breathe the can-do attitude? Since 2019, my podcast has gifted listeners across the globe access to an incredible selection of guests with stories to refresh your perspective, bring you joy and inspire can-do positivity. Always curious and with an insatiable appetite for a good yarn, I invite you to be a guest on my weekly show. If you have an inspiring perspective, a life-changing experience or an intriguing story to share, then drop me an email at gailmgibson.com. Until next week's show, do share the inspiration of the Can Do Way podcast with your friends, colleagues and clients, and wherever you are listening from in the world. Remember to make every day an amazing Can Do Day.